0: Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we'll be looking at the end of the Patriots winning streak, uh, questioning are the wheels coming off Miami, looking at the new slate of games for London next year and following up on some of the details of uh, our stories from last week. Then we're going to look at some of the games from last week, we're going to take a couple of your listener questions and we're going to look forward to the games in week 13. So hey guys, welcome to the new episode. Uh, I've got myself, Connor, here, and we've got uh, Harry as well. Hey, Harry. Uh, we currently don't have Ronan, because uh, he's pretending he has a social life uh, on a Tuesday, which we all know is a lie, Ronan. Stop masturbating. Uh, he might be calling into the show later on, maybe get in time for the picks, maybe even one or two of the listener questions. Uh, fingers crossed. We'll see how long this takes us to go. Uh, so Harry, how's yourself anyway? Yeah,
1: getting on okay. Uh, tired, tired. Um, I always seem to be just tired midweek. It's only Tuesday.
0: Yeah, it's it's the problem of that you're you're just on the other side of like a nice weekend, and then you're too far away from the next one. That's it. That's the problem. It's always a pain in the arse. Uh, although that said, this weekend we got some fun planned. We're all heading out on Sunday to the Hypnotic Brass. Yeah, should uh, be good. Yeah, it should be good fun. I saw some updates. Uh, so I think they've sold out most of their shows. Uh, they've got like thirty or forty tickets on the door. So if anyone wants to come along, uh, you have to get down there fairly early because yeah can be tough to get in. So I suppose we'll kick off. We'll start off with your boys I suppose. Uh this week we saw the uh the New England Patriots uh finally suffer defeat at the hands of the Brock Lobster, the constellation
1: sensation. How does it make you feel, Harry? Sad in a way. You know, I you know, I thought this was a season where we really could push that undefeated thing again. It was always going to be a big ask, but we were starting. I think I was starting to believe and I think a lot of the fans were starting to believe. What we saw this week, I think, was a culmination of what's been happening over the last few weeks. That We've just lost too many players, and it was still a close game. It uh, obviously went to overtime, but it was actually a very frustrating game to watch because we had an awful lot of three-and-out drives. The defense struggled. There was that muff pump that got Chris Harper cut in while. Mm. You know, that's understandable. Belichick takes no prisons with his players. That also leaves us with possibly negative wide receivers on the roster, yeah, um, yeah. This stage, I think we've got Brandon LaFell, and then I actually don't know who else is healthy. Start playing your own cornerbacks. <laughs> you probably haven't seen Matthew Slater taking snaps at wide receiver again, which is, has not gone great in the past. It is a bit concerning for me because you know we're going to make the playoffs. We're always going to make the playoffs. That's not mm. been in question for a few weeks now. But there's two things here that are kind of you know give give me a bit of pause to thought of what happens when we get there. So we're very dependent on you know who's able to come back and what game they're able to be back for. Whether or not we're going to see guys back in the in the divisional round or whether we're actually going to see them. Uh, not going to see them until the championship game, or possibly later. you know if they're not coming back until that state, we may well find ourselves not in that game. Mm. So that's kind of that's kind of a concern. That's on both sides of the ball. We lost them. Um gone to Hightower, which, as you could see from the game, severely hampered our ability to stop yeah. and run and Denver, whose running backs are fine, and whose O-line is fine, but aren't spectacular. On a couple of the runs that Broncos had, there was a couple of blatant no-calls
0: on holding that I saw.
1: It wasn't the best officiated game in of the world, and certainly, they certainly could have done better at the line of scrimmage, but like, I think a Patriots fan whining about the refs is probably a little cliche at this stage. <laughs> yeah. And, but it, and the other thing that I'm, makes me a little worried is that now Cincinnati are a game behind us. The Broncos now are half a game behind. Given the depleted nature of our roster, and given this is Time where we'd actually probably like to rest some players, we can't because home field, which is going to be very, very important, particularly if we have you know end up having to go back up to mile high, uh, for example, is actually very, very important to get for us at this stage with a depleted roster. We want every single advantage we can get, and that now is in question. You know, it's not, it's not the end of the world, it's definitely still going to be a season where we're going to handily win our division. We still look like one of the better teams in the NFL, but. What happened in that game and the way we were sort of just out-muscled by Denver to a large yeah. extent concerns me going forward into the playoffs. No, no, of course.
0: Um, like, yeah, I did I did think whenever you sent me over this this question for the news items uh, earlier, I was a bit confused. it's like, Patriots lose, oh my God, it's all go to shit. It's like, Jesus Christ, if this is the level of problems you have... You saw me after the Kansas City game yeah, last year, right? But <laughs> no, uh, But no, like, it is, it is interesting. Uh, I do also like the fact that... Uh, Denver beat uh, New England. and We beat Denver. Therefore, we're better than New England, which is which is perfect logic. We've never lost yet since Alex Smith came under center. But yeah, no, it, it is one of the ones. I understand entirely what you're saying about like losses of the players this is an important time, especially when it's getting tied up the top of the AFC. But I do think I do think it's a scenario where you're going to get players back at the right time. I know you're less you're less um, optimistic than I am on uh, uh, Incredibleman's return, but like. Bronk looks like he's only going to miss about a week or so, which is a big plus uh, according to the most recent updates I've seen. Hightower says it could be anything from two to four weeks. I think uh, so. These are players that will likely be back in season. If not, they'd be there for the start of the playoffs, which I think would be very interesting. We did see that funny uh, Bill Belichick picture superimposed with the Star Wars stuff earlier. Strike me down now, and I will return more powerful than you could ever conceive. But yeah, like I, I, I get your concern. I can see where you're coming from on it. Uh you're worried about getting the getting the bye week when you get into your playoffs and stuff like that. But I think this is a team that can power through. Shona can survive injuries. Shona be able to essentially just multi-tool its way out of any scenario. So I don't think it'll be season ending. I do think that you've got a soft enough back end to your season you'll be able to, to slide on through. But well, yeah, I do see the concern. I'm also quite grateful that the Giants seem determined not to make the playoffs now, which oh, is uh, <laughs> no, it's a little positive there. Mm. Although that said, with that god-awful division, anyone could just make a run of it at this point. But yeah, so Patriots undefeated. But not forgotten. They should be. They should be okay uh, moving forward. The next thing we're going to look at is uh, the. Suppose in the same division, the Miami Dolphins. This was an interesting one. Uh, we kind of saw the the slight uptick after they got rid of some of their coaching staff and started to see a bit more uh, out of the players. And then in the last week, it's just been bizarre. So we had Sue going off on a mad rant uh, to the to the media about how no one's trying hard enough, the scheme is crap, everyone's crap. He's fantastic. He runs this defense. He's the boy. And then he was pretty much awful for the game that they played and then proceeded to lose this weekend they're gone from contention but yeah like it's it's just terrible what's going on down there like what do you think is the way forward for them is it is it a blow it all up scenario or is it a
1: take the pieces they've got and try and rebuild slowly or i think it's getting towards blow it a lot territory uh bill laser obviously has gone yeah gone they this got week, which is probably overdue given how the offense has been performing but it's weird because you know they kind of look they got like you said they Got it back together a little bit mm. after the Philbin firing, and the wheels have just come off again in incredibly spectacular fashion. Yeah. Like, uh, Dan Campbell, as we saw, was able to rally them, but long term, obviously, hasn't been able to provide the solution to the problems, and the frustrations just set back in incredibly quickly in Miami. You yeah. know, even before this, there were things like you heard about the stories about him, um, I think it was Devontae Parker, the rookie, like watching tape of his old college games. Yeah, just um, to try and figure out how to play again. Exactly. <laughs> he made a nice play this week, but it, it, that's not a good sign. That's a sign that there's a lack of like when when even fringe players are coming out and being like I am a fringe player and it's getting to me. That's a sign that there's um something something going wrong there. As the season progresses, they're tearing more and more of the things up, and when it comes to the off season, I think there's going to be a big. There's going to need to be a big change in how they how they approach this.
0: Well, let's see. So they're stuck with Sue on a massive contract for at least the next three years, realistically, isn't it? Uh, yes. They've got another two years of high enough guaranteed money to the quarterback that they can't really swap there either. Uh, the thing actually I find very interesting is the QB coach under whom they have regressed significantly is the person stepping in to take over the offensive. Court coordinator role now so i can i can't really see this improving the back end of their season Worked for the lions Uh, i suppose it did to an extent although we will be talking about that in the listener question (laughs) section later but yeah like i just i don't know what exactly they're gonna do because i don't think they've got a huge amount of leeway to do a huge amount i think they've probably played themselves to a point of not getting the top end quarterback prospect or wide receiver prospect or whatever they decide to go after there's a lot of holes on this roster so I don't know where they're going to fill like it might be a scenario where their best place to start trying to trade down and accumulate picks I presume it'll be a new head coach they're not going to keep on this interim coach don't really know for certain because this is a franchise that seems to value name recognition over actual you know football players <laughs> which is just really bizarre like I don't know this was the year that we were meant to see that division become much more. Kind of competitive much closer like all these rosters are better all these teams are getting closer and it just doesn't seem to be happening at all and Miami obviously are probably the worst off of the lot so far and i saying something whenever you've got like Ryan Fitzpatrick starting for one of the other teams <laughs> like it's a very worrying scenario but yeah wheels are totally off the bus in Miami now and uh, they've more than just started to sink I think they're already deep underwater so all to some more cheery news, I suppose. Uh, we got the announcement of the uh, of the NFL games for London next year this week. Uh, so we've got two fully confirmed games and one partially confirmed game. So the first game up is the Colts at the Jags. The second game is going to be the NFC East opponent of the Rams at the Rams. Where are we putting that one right now? So the Rams are third, tied third in their division, I think? They're
1: third. They're a game ahead of the Niners. Game one, ahead, two, ahead of the game Niners. Games. No, one game ahead of the Niners, yeah.
0: Okay, so that means we're
1: probably looking maybe Philadelphia? Could be Philadelphia, but this is the problem. This is We're not really going to know how the NFC East is going to shake out until very possibly the last week of the season because yeah. it's so tight in there. Like, it could be Philadelphia, it could be Dallas, it could easily be, it could just easily be New York or, or Washington. Yeah, that's um, the thing, they are very tightly packed there.
0: Also, after the NFC East Rams game, there are the Washington Whiteskins versus the Bengals, uh, which means we could see the pale faces over here for two weeks straight, which would be uh, horrific, if you ask me, to be honest, but... uh <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie, we are not impressed so far with these games. Like there could be some interest with the Rams NFC East game if they swap core if they swap head coach and they get some pieces in. Presumably that's a team that's gonna be drafting a quarterback and getting some new coaching staff in and stuff, so that could be interesting. Colts at Jags equally could be interesting if the Jags turn it around a bit more. They'll in essence have two First round picks coming back, giving that Fowler will be back as well. They're not exactly exciting. We're not particularly excited about them. At the moment, we're more pumped for getting to see the college game over here in Dublin. <laughs> I think it's Georgia Tech versus Boston, is it? Right, yep. Yeah, so that, like, that sounds like a much more enjoyable prospect. I don't even watch college football. <laughs> but we'll see, we'll see. I suppose we'll know a little bit better come the off-season, what changes are being made and what might be of use here. Is there anything apart from going to, like visit your granny, is there anything that will get you across to London, Harry?
1: Um, not this year. There's there's you know, there's a small part of me that's like, oh, I just really want to see, you know, if things are going the same way as they have this season, just what Cincinnati could do to Washington. Yeah. But it's not an impressive slate, and I think the NFL have clocked a bit. But they can send all these marquee headline teams to London or up teams with marquee players, for example, oh you come, you can see Megatron, or oh, come, you can see Adrian Peterson, or you know, you've got when the Niners were supposedly good the year they were meant to be going over, Mm. Uh, you've got Patriots going over the last time the Rams played there. This year, there's nothing that really grabs you. Be like, this is a compelling game, this is going to be a game I particularly want to watch. But I think they've plucked that right now they can put on whatever games they want in London. But what strikes me as bizarre about that, because people are, you know, people are going to come and watch it because it was only one or two a year. Of course. This is. Three games. The, the games this year weren't great either. Now the Lions Chiefs was one at the time that looked like it was going to be a very good mm-hmm. game, but the other two, the other two didn't in particular. Yeah, the NFL seem to have realised that they can sell out Wembley uh, regardless of who's playing to an extent. So I think they don't see the need to bring over those headline games. But when you're doing this, you know, you're, you're trying to use multiple stadiums, you're trying to look to expand this, and they really want to. That's when you want to be having those big games. That's when you want to be making a push and being like, yeah, this isn't just going to be. B-list games or games that teams are willing to give up like Jacksonville because nobody goes and watches their games anyway. Yeah, So it, it's just a bit perverse at this stage to be two straight years of pretty mediocre games in, or what look like any pretty mediocre yeah. games in London. So yeah, I'm just not sure what the strategy is there and I think it's getting quite short-termist. Oh yeah, like there, there is an extent
0: of that. Like there are, there were rumors swirling around that they might announce a fourth game in another venue out there if they've got contracts in multiple spaces. But I don't see that really coming out, or at least if it does, it'll be a reaction to the reaction to these games. Thing is, I can see immediately how they're going to market these things straight away. Colts game is just Andrew Luck, future football. They'll they'll fill it with that. No worries, and there are a couple of people who've been convinced to become Jets fans because they play in <laughs> London a lot. The Rams game. It's against an NFC East opponent. A lot of those are quite heavily supported teams over on this side of the water. You've the Bengals, who they can market as being one of the winningest teams last year, explosive kind of thing. Even though big football fans will love that team because they look at it and say, "Great roster, up and down, and all that kind of stuff." It's not exactly like star power, apart from they say AJ Green, but AJ Green's not even as well known as your Megatrons to the casual fan, like. I agree with you. I think they are getting a bit complacent with it. I would have liked to have seen slightly better games, and uh, as it stands, to be honest probably not planning a trip to London for these ones, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, And then finally, we're just going to catch up on one or two bits of news from last week. Well, one in particular, I suppose. We discussed Case Keenum getting concussed, then getting picked back up off the ground and left in there to then get concussed again. He did not play this week. He was injured, as one would imagine (laughs) you would be. Very interestingly, they they decided to fine people for wearing the wrong colour shoes. Uh, They decided to fine people because they wanted to show support for their parents who had died of brain cancer on their eye black during this week yet nothing has been handed down to the rams to the ram staff to the personnel to the team to the coach to anyone whatsoever over the fact that they let this happen this is ridiculous
1: harry yeah no it is absolutely disgraceful and there've been so many more instances like obviously d'angelo williams and um, trying to wear pink on his uniform to commemorate his mother who died of breast cancer which is doubly ironic given the nfl's breast cancer awareness month theme but only for a month can't have it otherwise so that's obviously why d'angelo dies his hair pink i um, Brandon Marshall with the green shoes mm-hmm. and a bunch of guys um, last year wanted to wear purple shoes about uh, domestic abuse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So little things like that are clamped down on very, very harshly. Uh, but- really? The NFL not
0: taking domestic abuse seriously? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> the problem for me with, with this, and this is where I see, I see this being, is the NFL is, as an organization likes to exercise a huge amount of control over the activity of its players because they are obviously the face, I suppose, inverted commas of it, and they are ultimately it's judged by the actions of their players. And that unfortunately they are quite bad at regulating the really bad actions of the players and very good at these minor transgressions that don't really matter. They're quite reluctant often to find teams and not to be all conspiracy theory about them. But ultimately Roger Goodell answers to the team owners. And he doesn't want to basically put himself in trouble because if he does this, it sets a precedent for other teams being like, no, this is a thing you can't do because we will find you. And as the NFL talks uh, like out of both sides of his mouth about player safety. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're going to do all this stuff, and we're going to uh, do a little research, and we're going to change the equipment and the stuff, which is fine. But at the same time, when a push comes to shove, and it's like, well, when the commissioner is considering his own position vis-a-vis the owners, who he ultimately answers to, he backs out, and, he, and he's backed out again here. And the organization has just shown that it's unwilling to actually take on teams where they need to be taken on, whereas it's more than willing to stamp down on players. And like, I mean, you saw the struggles with the last collective bargaining agreement and took times players were oh, yeah. going strike him before. It's symptomatic of the same problem.
0: Like, it is. It's just just ridiculous and something that needs to be reassessed. Above and beyond all the stuff, we always complain about the things that make this game irritating to watch sometimes. Bad refereeing decisions, unclear rules, like, all that kind of stuff. Crap, like, bad sentences handed down to players for minor infractions, like smoking a bit of weed and stuff. But when you have something like this, which is meant to be a focal point, and you're blatantly inactive on it, you just say, look, we're not going to do anything about this, when it is as flagrant as this was, uh, I just... Look, it's just ridiculous. Get your shit together, NFL. And on that cheery note, we're going to go and have a look at a couple of the games from last week. We're going to look at uh, some good ones and some bad ones. Uh, so yeah, on to the games. So on the first game we're going to look at today uh, in the good section, we're going to look at the uh, Buffalo at Kansas City Chiefs game. A 22-30 to 30, uh, excellent game, I must say. Very compelling throughout. Uh, Chiefs are now deep in the running for the wildcard race. They currently hold the uh, fifth seed with tiebreakers over both Pittsburgh and Buffalo now, which is very important moving forward. Buffalo came out very strong in this game. Sammy Watkins was having a stormer about 140 yards or 130 yards <laughs> in the first quarter and a bit against the Chiefs. Chiefs were trailing and they needed a spark. Interestingly, it would appear that spark was to lose the best player on their defense Justin Houston, which is strange. Uh, they kind of turned around and started scoring. Smith had a great game, 255 yards, two touchdowns, 35 yards rushing. Spencer Ware, I was about to Marcus, Spencer <laughs> Ware uh, came out with 114 yards, a touchdown. That's 6 yards per carry uh, for any maths geeks out there. And uh, Jeremy Macklin uh, came out and had a stormer. 160 yards, 9 catches and a touchdown, uh, which brought us total to more than Watkins for the game, which was very surprising. Like, Yeah, I thought this was a very, very entertaining game, Harry, and to be honest, obviously I'm a bit biased in it, but I think it was really good to see the Chiefs go down a bit in the game and then show resiliency, come back, and I'll talk about it in a bit, but I think
1: the key to this game was adjustments and the Chiefs making them and the Bills not. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely true. And it was a fun game to watch. Um, very, very exciting stuff. In terms of the adjustments, it was it was interesting because the Chiefs, you know, obviously Macklin going off, the Chiefs did things that they've perhaps been a little cautious to do in the past. We saw more deep throws from Smith and letting him cut loose a bit, which I think, you know, it's not going to work every week, but I think it caught the Bills a bit flat-footed, given that they, again, didn't deviate from what they had game-planned, pretty much the whole thing. We also saw um, adjustments in the backfield, because obviously Watkins was going off and was having... A, he yeah. was just too agile For uh, Sean Smith, the who he's a big big physical corner, but we saw Watkins, you know, just get that little half a step on him, get above him a few times uh, on on deep pass and for a couple of touchdowns as well. But yeah, it was that ability to to adapt throughout the game, and we saw the Chiefs, I think, just sort of grow into it, particularly the Bills' defense did play well, but Kansas City adjusted, whereas Kansas City's defense came out playing poorly and then grew into the game and was ultimately able to, to shut them down both in the passing games mentioned there, and they were able to sort of neutralise Watkins a bit towards the back end, but also in the running game, uh, Shady McCoy started the game extremely strongly, and that got, again, despite losing your best linebacker, that... Zombo stepped up. Z- Frank Zombo <laughs> did step up. Uh, I, was, I was actually, I remember during the game, I, I was making fun of him, which is unfair, because I like, always get him muddled up with Bakari Rambo. Is... <laughs> That'd be a great pairing, wouldn't it? Zombo and Rambo, backed go. up by Merciless. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney Merciless has, yeah, top ten, top ten name. But no, yeah, no, it was great fun, and like you said, it was it was toughest from Kansas City, and they played smart and they figured out how to win this game. Whereas uh, Buffalo did the Rex Ryan team thing, which was we will go in, we'll do the Rex Ryan thing, we'll just let it all hang loose and whatever. But the problem is when you're letting it all hang loose and you don't have a rigid game plan, it's very difficult to pull people back onto the rigid thing you need to do. And that's probably why Buffalo is so disciplined as well. And Kansas City were able to overcome that. And fair play to them. That's it. Like Just
0: in terms of like kind of idea of how much they adjusted in this game, Sammy Watkins in the space of about 20 minutes had put up 125, 130 yards. Of them. in the second half of this game, he was held to one catch. That is the degree of change around in scheme that happened just to neutralise what was making it happen for them. And then again, as you said, the Chiefs did the same thing. They changed a bit more, started doing more deep passing, and you didn't see a, a reflection from Buffalo or a change from Buffalo on that. So I suppose it's just, like, obviously this is a positive
1: for the Chiefs moving up. What does this mean for the Bills moving forward? You know, I, th- I think at this stage, it's a long shot for the Bills now. Yeah. I think they're in a difficult position. I think losing the tiebreaker to Kansas City through this game is a bit of a blow. They've sort of fallen back into into, into the pack at this stage, and now they're... If they'd won this game, you know, they would have been at quite a, quite a good position. They would have been a couple of games uh, to the good. But now they've sort of slipped back into that chasing pack now along with the Raiders and whatnot. I'll
0: tell you something that's going to be interesting it's going to be next week's games between the Bills and the Texans yeah that's going to be that's going to be fun that's going to be fun (laughs) I always say fun Uh, it's going to be a relevant game Uh, (laughs) hey
1: let let me have this
0: (laughs) but no uh, so yeah no entertaining game which to be honest I always enjoy the Chiefs games because I'm a Chiefs fan but it's good to finally see games that the neutral fan can watch and be like damn son that was pretty fun uh, we'll move on to the next good game. This one was phenomenal. Pittsburgh at Seattle, 30-39. to 39. Very exciting and high-scoring game. Like Seattle reclaiming the fourth quarter after the entirety of the season so <laughs> far. Uh, Wilson threw his uh, career high five touchdowns. And uh, also, this is the first time they've won with Wilson since uh, when an opponent has scored 24 or more
1: points. It was, it was fantastic, Harry. What was, what was your take on it? Yeah, I think we've seen a few times this season that Seattle can hold their own in a shootout. Now, they haven't won those games. I think the Arizona game would be the prime example. But they've been very, very close. And those have been the game's teams with better defences than Pittsburgh have. It's good to see Seattle being able to play differently. And it's good to see them, you know, not, you know, when, okay, so we're not able to shut these guys down. What are we going to do? Fine, we we will go blow for blow with the Steelers. Now, they were fortunate in a way. I mean, the Steelers obviously finished the game with Landry Jones and also had that bizarre trick play. Well, it wasn't even a trick play. They just shifted the formation on a punt and then Landry Jones just hefted the ball up in the general direction of the left tackle with yeah. an interception, which is just I I've no idea what was going on there. Nice, nice uh, nice little comeback note for Jeremy Lane as well on that play. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good to see Seattle be, you know being able to cut loose a bit. And I think we saw like Wilson probably play like we know he can, just his mobility was fantastic. He looked more comfortable than he has. Mm. And I mean, you know, when, he, when I say Russell Wilson looks comfortable, he's still running for his life, but he looked comfortable running <laughs> for his life. Pittsburgh, it's a little bit worrying because the defense is falling off. And there was a little bit of a false storm. They sort of, you know, held Cincinnati to uh, was it 10 points in that horrible game a few weeks ago. Yeah. Doug, Doug Baldwin had a great game. Jermaine Kearse had a great game. Mm. Tyler Lockett had quite a nice game. Russell Wilson was able to hit guys open in a way that we generally don't see him do because receivers, you know, they're fine, but they're not Mm. you know, they're they're not they're not world beaters. But on the flip side of that as well, we saw what's constantly known as a fantastic
0: Seahawks defense and the Legion of Boom. Roethlisberger threw for 456 yards in this game, which also, by the way, breaks the standing record for most yards thrown against the Seahawks, I believe, ever. They they did a good job, to be fair to them, of shutting down Brown. Sherman did an excellent job on Brown for the entire game, holding to about 56 yards. But as he said, Pittsburgh did what Pittsburgh do. They said, well, next man up, they found Wheaton had over 200 yards in this game. It uh, was ridiculous. Pittsburgh, very strong. I'm unsure, and I'm not sure if you've... An answer to this, as to like what they could have done better. Apart from obviously have slightly better defenders, maybe, but like, was there anything in the game they could have done? Because like, if you if you put up four hundred and fifty something yards passing and then another hundred and something yards on the ground, you should expect to win a goddamn game, like.
1: Like, if there's one thing, it, it, like I mean, they were they were obviously unlucky losing losing Roethlisberger. It was you know it was just some poor decision making, and I think that was I think exemplified by that trick play. That's a yeah, like that was something where they could have you know pinned the Seahawks deep, and so they ended up giving them great field position and so on. Especially Being, in the scenario where they're not really stopping them particularly well. That that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So we. Like, I didn't, they, I didn't think the Pittsburgh played badly by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. I think you're right about Wheaton stepping up. They were lucky so it was like Martavis Bryant, I think, dropped what should have been a touchdown pass. Yeah. There were a few sort of miscues and moments in there. But ultimately, it, it was just the case their defense wasn't good enough. Mm. And at the end of the you know, if you can't stop Seattle's, like, occasionally explosive but generally not that talented receiving core, yeah. that's just a bad sign in general.
0: No, of course. And the other the note as well from this moving forward, as well as Jimmy Graham's now going for the season with a very horrible injury that uh, has seen many surprises. Approach- and recover from it in inverted commas and never be the same player again so we're just going to pop one game very briefly in the neutral zone because it was the Sadness Bowl and the Sadness Bowl was won by Baltimore 33-27 to neither team played well in this game although they were relatively evenly matched I suppose <laughs> Ravens had a pick 6 from Cleveland we had a kick 6 against Cleveland to end the game Austin Davis came in uh, to cover the quarterback job after an injury uh, he wasn't terrible he was just poor which is Probably okay. Cleveland just had no ability to tackle in this game whatsoever. It looked like they were playing tag football. Like it was there was there was one, I think it was the, the Ravens uh, touchdown, and there were six defenders closing in on a guy. Two of them hit him at the same time and he went through them, and then the other four stood back and didn't touch him till he was in the end zone. Like it was brutal. And it was such a Cleveland way to lose this game <laughs> that on a possible game winning field goal they kick it get it blocked and have it returned. harry what did you make of the
1: sadness bowl? it was very sad but it is nice to know that between the black hole of failure that is matt showed the city of cleveland is still the unluckiest most cursed most disastrous place in the nfl <laughs> like it was such a brown's way to lose the game like I said but it was just such a brown's way to play the game like stupid pump return touchdown Bad tackling, like Shobe repeatedly gifted them opportunities to win this. Am mm. um, throwing a late interception, just being bad in general. They had chances to win this, and they just could not put it away. And then, of course, they lose McCown. Um, McCown has now confirmed as gone for the season, and they don't know. Again, the fact we don't know, we don't know who our starting quarterback is. We haven't really thought about it yet. It's like we. It, it, and I said this. I said this a few weeks ago that Cleveland are just. It's just on another level there. That any time anything looks like it might be going slightly right, it just goes horribly, horribly wrong. And this game is another. Mm example of it. And now, since we're only briefing the neutral zone, I'm going to jump back to the line of scrimmage and point my finger <laughs> accusingly at a offensive lineman.
0: God, it was truly, truly awful. Uh, you have our pity, Dave. So we're going to jump down to the... This is the thing... This, it's worrying descent when that is our neutral zone game. The reason the reason we put that in the middle is because while they were both terrible so it was at least evenly matched we've got two dumpster fires we're going to have a chat beside. Minnesota Atlanta 20-10 to really what can be said here like a very very poor Atlanta team took on a one dimensional and failing Vikings team. Adrian Peterson had a good game 158 yards and two touchdowns but like that's against the Atlanta defense it should have been twice that <laughs> uh, Teddy Bridgewater had a 174 yards no touchdowns and an interception that's awful Matt Ryan on side had like 230 yards a touchdown and two interceptions and uh, Atlanta had a 100 yard rusher in this game Coleman who had 110 yards 18 carries one of which was a 46 yard carry now we'll get into that one in a second right that means on seventeen carries he had like sixty something yards, which is terrible. But then on the one breakout forty-six yarder, <laughs> just to celebrate a bit too early or just not protect the ball, gets it punched out by the defenders, and then they can back for about forty yards in the other direction. It was it was awful. Harry, how do you deal with the fact that one of these teams is probably
1: going to the postseason? <laughs> I'm just hope it's Minnesota, and then I can just keep up my. Wow, well, I told it wasn't going to be Atlanta thing. That was grim for like a, a real sort of this could potentially decide a playoff team. It was it was bad. Both teams looked like they wanted to win the game. I'll give them credit for that. They both tried really really hard but weren't very good. And it was actually we seen Minnesota seems to be a very up-and-down team at the moment. Yeah. Like, this was one of the worst games, one of the worst performances we've seen, uh, possibly, with the exception, obviously, they lost to the 49ers, which, you know, what was going on there in week one. They were flat, like they had a game, they figured out that the other team, you know, the Falcons couldn't really stop Adrian Peterson. So they were like, "All right, fine. We'll just give him the ball a load, and it'll be fine." But the team looked wobbly. Bridgewater's interception was not a good. Like it wasn't even a closing. It was a, it was a bad throw. same, I think, could be said of Ryan's as well. Yeah, like there was one which was just. It had to have been a miscommunication or something. He just threw it to a defender. Yeah, but that that's that's the problem. You're you're getting out of sync with your guys. And I mean, there's talent on both these teams, and we know there's great talent on both these teams. But if I come out and see them in what is supposedly like a really important game, play like that. If I'm thinking, oh, you know, my team's going to be against them in the wild card or possibly the divisional round for mm-hmm. Minnesota. I'd be like, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. It doesn't exactly strike fear into the hearts of your opponents. No, <laughs> it, it really doesn't. And it, this, the weird thing is, it's not even like the defense played particularly well. It was just offensively struggling teams that just yeah, could not just move the ball. Nothing happened. Because there wasn't any particularly strong stats on defense or anything
0: either. There wasn't lots of sacks and lots of pressure and stuff. It was just
1: gag. It was just
0: terrible. Do you remember when we thought Atlanta
1: had a good defense? It was weird, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, there was a two-week stretch. It was a good two weeks. But, uh, I remember
0: when they did have a decent offense. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the other dumpster fire. Oh, God, this whole division is a dumpster fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> New York Giants traveled up to take on the Washington Crackers. 14-20 uh, NFC matchup. The score doesn't do it justice, right? Washington dominated this game. They were 20-0 to up in the fourth quarter. Interestingly enough, this is the first time Washington has won back-to-back games this year. <laughs> uh, go to the playoffs. I <laughs> yet are tied for top of their division. Eli threw three interceptions, completed 26 of 51 passes. Vereen was their best rusher at 15 yards. The team had 33 yards in total. Beckham made a nice catch. That's all I can say about the Giants. Cousins had 300 yards and a touchdown with no interceptions. Grand. Uh, I think he might have snuck in for one as well on the ground. By, By like an atom. Yeah. yeah, Very, very lucky. And then collectively the team had 100 yards of rushing. These are... Neither of these were good teams. Washington looked good. This was just... It was entertaining... To a degree, watching it on red zone where it would just flash up. And it's like, guess what's happened to Eli Manning again? And Harry would just shit himself laughing. <laughs> what did you make of this game, Harry? I
1: enjoyed it for that exact reason it all was. The Giants are, like I said this last week, like this is the kind of game Washington win because their opponents are just so incompetent. They will like Eli Manning will throw a bunch of picks in the first quarter and get put his team in a hole. Yeah, Washington were were not great. Deshaun Jackson had a nice touchdown catch. Um, Cousins got the sneak, which that sneak was really bizarre because the first they got it when they showed the replay. Instead of like you know falling forward from several inches away from the goal line, he turned around and sort of put the ball over his head backwards. It was one of like a reverse rugby try. Yeah, it was one of those ones that was quite lucky it wasn't enough evidence to overturn on review because it was very marginal. Yeah, it was just a weird game. Like, in terms of, it was just softy to a large extent and there was very little, um, high level stuff going on. The one thing that I would give, obviously, Beckham had a nice catch. Look, no, actually, credit to Bashar Breeland, who actually did a very good job of covering him, uh, in that game. Mm. So there's, there's a, there's a player who had a good game. Um, other than that, I'm, I'm struggling. Again, a critical division game with playoff implications. Yeah where both teams just can't kind of play like crap. And at the end of the game, Washington did their absolute best to lose. Yeah, they nearly did. They nearly did. Uh, letting them get 14
0: points uh, and a couple of shots at the end zone yep. as well to try and win the game. My my conspiracy theory about this game is that Tom Coughlin is old and white and secretly racist and likes the Redskins. <laughs> it's the only time we're going to allow the name to be said so you understand why he sides with them, allegedly. Um, <laughs> But really, the only thing we can say about that game is, God, 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 why the fuck did we watch that? I think we're going to move on to some of the listener questions now instead. So, uh, yeah, on to that. This week, we've got three questions from three different sets of people. Uh, so we'll start off with uh, the question from Dan over in England. Dan's asked us, what do we make of Alden Sits' suspension what impact was it gonna have uh, moving forward I suppose. yeah we kind of let this one slide on the radar because Alan Smith is having an okay but not particularly special year uh, he was tied leader with the with the Raiders on uh, QB hits and stuff um I think that the reason we let this one go is that it seems like a relatively fair suspension to give the guy He's got a history of some problems in the past, his fifth arrest since twenty twelve. The the Raiders have said that they're they're sticking with him long term, looking forward to him coming back next November and everything. He gets paid his 1.25 million base salary, but that could have been all the way up to eight million had he had he been playing with game incentives and stuff. I think I think about two million that was tied into him getting ten sacks, which probably wasn't gonna happen. I think it was a one and a half. He has been suspended for a year under the substance abuse policy of the NFL for his involvement in parent DUI hit and run and vandalism issue. Yeah. So essentially they reckon he has some problems with
1: alcohol and
0: they've given him a one year ban on that basis. What do you make of this yourself, Harry? Are we about the same on this?
1: Yeah, I think I'd agree. I think it is actually one of those sort of reasonably fair suspensions. Um probably fair to spend more fair to spend a guy for a year after, you know, fine arrests and DUIs and stuff like that than it is to suspend a guy after he's caught smoking pot twice. So, yeah, fair enough. And, you know, the Raiders sticking by him, it would have been the easiest thing in the world to cut him. Now, I know they do sort of need help on their pass rush and mm-hmm. things like that, but it's a long way away when he comes back. And, and they, seem to, they I, seem to value that talent, I suppose. They do, and so. there's always a potential with a guy like that. But I always think it's good because he's obviously got problems, and I say this, but, you know, it's probably better to be even with the Raiders... As an organization, than just be out on the street when you. have a, I, was, I was hoping
0: somebody <laughs> to do that because I was desperately trying to not make a
1: joke about it. <laughs> um, it's true, I'm like I think you know, fair play to them for that. Um, it's an e- it's an easy enough decision to make. So he's not a hugely expensive player. Yeah, to hold on to, and I, also still, it, uh, hopefully, it'll be better for him than the than the alternative would be. That's true. The thing that I would say is, because I
0: was looking into this a little bit, um, one of the things that I found a problem, and I know Dan because Dan is a Raiders fan, from what I can gather, he's obviously annoyed because it's a player on his own team who's gone away for. A But like one of the things that I do, because I think I think we both think he'll be back. He'll be missed while he's gone. Uh, We think it's a fair decision. What I'm thinking about the sentencing element of this, the length of it. One, like I'm not sure a year is entirely correct, but given that he has a history, maybe it is. But what this means is that he's actually banned from team facilities and from being around the team, from contact with them. Right? Given that we're talking about a chap who's potentially got alcoholism, now has. A team that wants to stand by him, support him, look after him through this period. I'm not sure if it's the world's greatest idea for them to then say you have to now cut out that support group from your life for a year and go
1: deal with your shit on your own.
0: I don't think that's necessarily the smartest way to deal with this, Mr. NFL,
1: Roger Goodell. I think that's, I think that's very true, and I think actually what I said earlier, um, it's good to know that you have a support network and there's actually people who have a, have a admittedly a vested interest, but a genuine interest oh, yeah. in having you having you up to speed. Uh, I'm sure the team will probably find a way to work around it. Like they yeah, can sure hire people, they'll probably for, hire
0: like a personal assistant or something. Exactly, or
1: something that will just about sort Pay, pay from to, to, to go to a psychiatrist, something like that. Yeah, go to rehab. App- it is still daft. And I can understand about him, like perhaps keeping him physically away from the facilities, but the sort of no contact with the team in any official yeah. capacity is a bit is a bit but much and probably counterproductive.
0: But it's even a scenario where, like, what they're trying to do is they're trying to impose, I think say, look, you can't be playing in our league and doing this. You need to go and get yourself sorted. And I think that's fine entirely. But I don't see why that means he can't go and work out with them, go and stay fit, go stay up to date on so he's not gonna be playing, so he's not gonna be causing an impact on the game, he's not gonna be out there playing, he's not gonna be allowed in the benches. I just don't I don't entirely get why he has to be gone entirely from it. I don't get why and like it's not about this case in particular, it's actually just the in general thing of if someone is suspended for five or six weeks, even without pay kind of scenario, I don't see why it should necessarily follow that they have to then when they re-enter,
1: be at a massive disadvantage. That, that is true, and it does disadvantage the player. But I think the reason that rule exists is to disadvantage the team. Having a guy like Goldensmith Smith even training, or any player, and having him in the training room does sort of... You still, your team still gets a benefit out of that. So I think the reason that the... And I, I don't know if it's the best reason in the world, but I think this is probably the logic behind it. You know, the guy is suspended, so he's not allowed to... Your team is allowed to get no benefit from a suspended player if you have him in training and it's a good player and you have to treat all of them as if they are good yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you, yeah. It's, you know, you, your team supposedly gets better training against that guy in training with yeah, you
0: if Yeah, you, if, you, if you banned Pitt Manning for eight weeks, not like that would ever happen. Jesus <laughs> uh, you know, because he's White and connected to upper uh, families. <laughs> but you know, if you used to be suspended for eight games, you shouldn't be able to be out there coaching wide receivers on how to do their job so you can have the yeah, ice so I can I can get those. But yeah, so Alan Smith's suspension, uh harsh, harsh but fair, probably. The next question we've got comes in from Maria, uh who is a hackers fan I have here. She asks, what tight end has the tightest end? Let's get the jokes out of the way first. Definitely not Aaron Hernandez anymore. <laughs> Let's see, who who which tight end do you think has the has the
1: tightest end, Harry? We'll go for maybe two or three each here. Uh, well, yeah, i uh, I got to say, um, I, I was a little confused about the cost of the question. I was like, it's just, you know, how good are tight ends? And then was like, oh, maybe I have to go and look at a load of images of uh, tight ends' butts and yeah. see what's going on there. I, I I have a feeling that's what she was getting at.
0: Uh, I did, I did, I did have a problem of I was trying to work this one out earlier. I went and googled it, and I, <laughs> I typed in "hottest tight ends in the NFL," and all I got was fucking fantasy football advice. <laughs> like it was impossible. But yeah, so, so I'll, I'll I'll kick off. I think Tyler Eifert, pretty attractive looking guy. That's
1: a good shot. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Um, I got to go. Obviously, my first pick It's going to be my boy Gronk. Yeah, like I know he's big beefcake, American. Mm. Like he is, he is a muscle car made person. Yeah. That's what he is. you gotta, you got to love that. And he's so... He's, he's fun. You know he'd be great cracking about night at. I mean, you wake up face down in the ditch with no pants, wondering what would happened, But you'd have had a good time.
0: Okay. That's an image I, I want to scrub could
1: have, from my brain. Probably could have phrased that better. <laughs> probably could have phrased that a lot but better. Yeah,
0: Grant's got a tight end, but... Let's leave the rest of that sentence. And <laughs> yeah, I, I can get it, but I think he's kind of big. He's kind of braced up. He needs to be, he's not exactly the most mobile guy <laughs> in the world. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, number two on my list, probably going to go to Richard Rogers. Very nice looking chap. Small, sprightly, quick, tight end. Yeah, i will do.
1: Yeah, he's not, he's not a bad guy. Um, I, to imagine, I think this guy's genuinely quite handsome. And, um, Jordan Cameron.
0: Yes. Jordan, Jordan Cameron. Cameron is a
1: very good looking man. I remember being, this is weird, but I remember the first time I saw him like fantasy football. It was like, oh, who's that cheeky chappy over there? Like wrong kind of fantasy football. man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not not really, not really, but he, he's a good looking fella. And I like the sort of stubble thing he's got going on. Yeah, it's go not on, bad. On it's not Susan. bad
0: at all. Uh, I suppose for, for, for my third one as well, And next, uh, these are in no particular order. This is just three that I kind of came up with. I'm going to go with Travis Kelsey as well. I think, Good looking guy, young looking guy. It's everything you've said about Gronk, but in a slightly smaller frame, a bit more agile. Hasn't had anything broken yet. Well, actually, he did have something broken. Uh, but it's all back working again, unlike Gronk <laughs> at the moment.
1: Again, with the phrase. <laughs> <on track. laughs>
0: but yeah, so Travis Kelsey,
1: that makes my tight end triumvirate, my tight end three way, if you will. See, I, I, didn't, I didn't, go all the way to the three. I just, I just thought man on man. But I've got, a, I've got an unconventional one. You know, I think we've gone quite conven- conventionally good-looking guys. Mm-hmm. But I can see there's a guy who I can see having a certain type of fan, and that's Greg Olson. Mm. I think he's got that sort of, you know, a little bit weather-beaten, a little bit rough lumberjack kind of look about him. That <laughs> you know, I can see people. I can really see people going for that. Bit of bit of rough and tumble. Bit mm. of a bit of a woodsman kind of vibe. to That's me. true. But I think we can all agree in the history of time, the
0: tightest tight end is definitely belonged to Tony Gonzalez. Oh yeah. Definitely. Tony Gonzalez, you fox. And then our final question comes in from Adele who is just a fan of the sport, hasn't picked her team yet. But she says in relation to Kean's earlier question, which I can only yes, yes. So this is about the, the question about Tony Romo and Alliance, uh from a couple of weeks ago. I said with Tony Romo now out for the season, is the Lions winning streak about to come to an end? We would say Maybe. We've come up with, we've got some more theories in from some of the listeners about what this is. We've had uh, possession, we've had transubstantiation. Uh, The two most interesting ones, because they're clearly nerds as fuck, they said uh, illusionary correlation, which um, is essentially just a fancy way of saying you just think two things are correlated when they're not, okay? And then third cause fallacy, which is essentially A happens and B happens, therefore C. Basically, I think we're saying the lions are probably fucked now. Because if there was anything good coming from it, then it's gone, and the Lions, anyway, are a shit show of
1: a team. Yeah? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. What this has taught me personally, I think I've been taught actually quite a deep philosophical lesson by this whole affair, and that's that reality is a simulacrum run by an uncaring overlord. So I don't know what's going to happen. Now we think they've got a handle on it. He's going to go, ah, no, yeah, no, Detroit are, uh, are going to beat the Packers by 80 points. Not to spoil my game pick or anything, or the logic behind it. It's literally that. <laughs> Reality doesn't exist. Excellent, excellent.
0: So uh, we're going to go and decide what pills we're going to take, and, and we're <laughs> going to
1: move on to the picks
0: for next week. Okay, so we've got uh, five games that we uh, are disagreeing on at the moment, uh, and then we've got a couple that we're in agreement on. It would appear that Fitz is not done masturbating yet, so we'll have to power through without him, just as he will power through without us. Um, we're going to start off at the ones that we all agree on, and there's always kind of a line or two and uh, just say why it is. So, Oh, and look, he's finished. Hey, Fitz, how are you?
2: Hey, well, how are
0: you? Ah, very good, very good. What were you up to?
2: Uh, just at a meeting. Meet fun. Many minutes. Yeah, fair enough. Any many people at the meeting? Uh, four or five. Something
0: too big. Yeah, Must mm-hmm. have gotten a bit awkward towards yeah. the back end, no, yeah? Nothing
1: too big, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: know what you've been speculating about.
1: <laughs>
2: sure, I'll find out on Friday. Probably, probably. Um, You good folks out there. (laughs) Uh,
0: So I suppose you're just in time now for the game picks. So we're gonna fly through a few of those. Um, uh, So we'll kick off Baltimore at Miami. Harry's taking Miami. Fitz is taking Miami. I said the goggles, the goggles. Oh God, the goggles do nothing. Ah, Miami. Fitz, I suppose. Why Miami?
2: Matt Shaw. That is awful.
0: (laughs) That makes sense to me. Uh, (laughs) Next game, Cincinnati at Cleveland. We've all taken Cincinnati. Uh, Harry.
1: Yeah, look, Cleveland are very bad. Cincinnati are very good. It's not in prime time. Uh, Do maths.
0: That's it. Uh, Next game, San Francisco at Chicago. We've all taken Chicago. Um. Yeah, just Chicago playing fairly well at the moment. San Francisco are terrible at the moment. And it's at home. There's no real chance for the 49ers. saws babes. Next game, Seattle at Minnesota. We've all taken Seattle. A little surprise. I thought this one might have been a bit closer. Ronan, why?
2: Well, I think Seattle finally managed to win a game in the fourth quarter against a good team. So hopefully they can continue that momentum. I think the Minnesota team looks kind of... People just aren't balling them yet, but this is their chance to show people, I suppose. But until then, people are taking the uh, established power
0: Seahawks. Yeah, fair enough. Arizona at the St. Louis Rams. We've all taken Arizona.
1: Harry, why is that? Much as I hate picking games with St. Louis, St. Louis in them and uh, St. Louis, Arizona already made me look stupid once this season. St. Louis are a mess right now. I don't know what the Rams' plan is. I don't know who the Rams are going to play. I don't know who their any of them, half their starters are going to be on offense. And Arizona look pretty good and have shown that they can win tough, ugly games like they did this week.
0: Perfect. Next game is Denver at San Diego. Uh, We've all taken Denver. Basically, Denver look very good. They managed to knock off New England. San Diego are a fucking dumpster fire and a half. Like, they're just terrible. Philip Rivers can do all he wants, but he's not going to be able to lift them out of the shit pile that is their existence. It's almost getting to the point where they'll be happy to see the team just leave. (laughs) But yeah, Denver by a distance, I'd say. Kansas City at Oakland. We've all taken Kansas City. Ronan?
2: Yeah, Kansas City have looked good. They seem to be able to put any running back in there and succeed. While Oakland have kind of flattered to deceive, I think, against a good team, they'll be shown up. And Kansas City should have enough to continue their very rich vein of form.
0: Yeah, that's it. And like I said, uh, basically, this is one I'm interested in because Sean Smith will be Probably too slow to cover Amari Cooper given how last week went for them, so we might well be seeing Marcus Peters against uh, Cooper, which would be a really exciting kind of rookie v rookie bit of the game to watch. Carolina at New Orleans, we've all taken Carolina. Harry?
1: Yeah, Carolina look fantastic. New Orleans look, Jesus Christ, like Carolina are going to win this by an absolute mile. Is it very inappropriate to make a Levis breaking
0: joke? <laughs>
1: yes yes i actually saw a terrible joke uh somewhere on the internet there uh, this week about like katrina only happened because rob ryan was in charge of the levy defense uh, oh god people shouldn't do that people, people are monsters
0: yeah. we've got philadelphia and new england we've all taken new england uh yeah basically what a team to have to kind of try and bounce back philadelphia are a hot mess and they're not that hot it's
1: gonna be great fun actually Team in green, who are terrible, coming into New England, quarterback by Mark Sanchez. Like, this is happy memory <laughs> stuff. Like. I
0: was saying, actually, I saw a thing to, today, actually, that said, uh, Chip Kelly looks like uh, Bobby from King of the Hill, grown up. <laughs> Indianapolis at Pittsburgh. We've all taken Pittsburgh. Fitz, why is that?
2: Pittsburgh are the form team. Indianapolis don't look very good and are now out of running backs. So, eventually, someone will hit Matt Haffelbeck and he will die, I hope. <laughs>
1: You hope? Jesus well, Christ. After well, all the things he's done for the Seahawks, that's...
2: <laughs> more like, it, it, it's, it's the like, voodoo magic he's using. I'm like, it's a bit weird,
0: you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, the 40-year-old quarterback is 4-0 so far, but Pittsburgh will stop him, apparently. And then uh, the final one we all agree on, Dallas at Washington. We've all taken Washington. Why is that, Harry?
1: Because Washington at home beat bad teams. Dallas are, right now, a really, really bad team. We're going to be quarterbacked by Matt Castle, who appear to be going with Robert Turbin as their main running back, and still have Greg Hardy. So, yeah,
2: Washington.
0: Okay, on to the contentious picks. Detroit at Green Bay. Uh, I've taken Green Bay. Fitz has taken Green Bay. Harry has taken Detroit. Fitz, why Green Bay? Yeah, like, I
2: think Green Bay are weird right now, but I think they should have enough for Detroit the second
1: time round. It'll probably be much closer than it should be, but I think Green Bay should alternate into
2: their good week. Like, they do have a better team overall, so it's kind of hard to pick against Green Bay, even
1: with all of the confusion that's happened with them over the last month or so. It's just hard to pick against Aaron Rodgers, basically. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Harry, why Detroit? As I said earlier in the podcast, reality is a simulacrum run by a cruel and (laughs) uncaring god who's only... By, 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 By the
0: way, Fitz, just so you know, you've missed a really deep podcast...
1: Oh yeah, we <laughs> had some, there was some philosophy, it was, it was awesome. No, genuinely, um, the world is capricious, but I like Detroit, I think, are going to blank Green Bay this season, simply because Green Bay right now are in a mess. We were like, oh, it's, you know, it's the run game that's not getting going, it will be fine when the run game gets going, the run game does get going again, I'm like, great, it'll be fine, and then this week, it just doesn't happen on the rest of the team. There are just too many problem areas right now for for Green Bay. And I think Detroit basically laid down the mark for how to beat this Green Bay team, which is the fragility fragility of the O-line and being able to get that pressure and take away reads and take away the field from Rodgers. And we've also seen Detroit's secondary step up. So on balance, I think Detroit are just in a better position to take this overall, despite Aaron Rodgers. Fair enough.
0: Like, I would say, I think we saw Green Bay get better about two weeks ago. We saw that they were getting, they're still firing a bit more. I always take Thursday night games with a pinch of salt, so I'm not sure i am happy to write them off after a poor showing on Thanksgiving last week. Detroit are a terrible team, regardless of what the last couple of weeks have suggested. Like, we've seen shit teams do stuff beforehand. I just think Green Bay will look at this, see the Vikings pull a game ahead last week, see the chance that they have to get back in there, given that they're playing Seattle, and Seattle, we would say, would be favoured to beat them. This is a must-win game for them if they want to get to the top of that division. And it's still a must-win game, even if they're just looking at trying to get a wild-card spot. And I think they understand that mindset much better than Detroit do. The next game we're looking at is Houston at Buffalo. I've taken Houston, and Fitz and Harry have taken Buffalo. I suppose kick off with Fitz, why Buffalo?
2: Like I think it's going to be close, and obviously Houston have put up some really impressive defensive uh, numbers in the last month or so, but I think Buffalo, with the weapons that they have, and with that not quite as good, but certainly very effective off-defense uh, against what is still an average offense from Houston, should be enough to just shade it in this one, I think like it's going to be much closer than it would have been expected to be like even two, three weeks ago but I think in this case, Buffalo should still have enough simply to the higher talent level on that team overall
0: Like Ivy Silver, I don't think there's gonna be a huge amount in this game. I think Buffalo are imploding a little bit, they're retracting. I think Houston are looking much better than they did. They're on the on the offense, they're on the on the up. Their defence has looked a lot better the last few weeks, and I think they have the type of edge rushers and pressure to deal with a mobile quarterback like Taylor. I agree it's going to be tight. I'm just going to shade it to Houston because I think Houston, it goes to similar ideas The Green Bay. Houston have a division berth in their sights, whereas Buffalo don't. Buffalo are scrapping for a wildcard spot that's pushing further and further away and out of their grasp. So uh, so I think Houston have more to play
1: for, and I think they're more up for it. Ronan's. Pretty much nailed this, to be honest with you. I agree with both of you that it is going to be a close game, perhaps even not on the scoreline. You know, one of those games can going to be played yeah. very close. For me, the difference is I think Buffalo's defense on the back end is better than Houston's. And I think while certainly Hopkins has been spectacular, and we've seen Houston do some clever stuff with Cecil Shorts recently, I think Buffalo do have the talent there to take that away. It's you about mobile, mobile quarterbacks, because Houston have actually struggled quite a bit against mobile quarterbacks in the last little while. If Buffalo can get that going, you know, with Taylor, that, that, could, that could certainly cause some problems. And if he's able to even extend plays a little bit, we'll see Houston's relatively weak secondary get into a bit of trouble. It is the kind of game where I think Sammy Watkins is, again, going to be find himself in a very good position with a very good matchup. And I also think that Shady McCoy is the kind of runner who does well against a Houston line that tends to over-pursue a little bit when it's chasing down running backs. So, yeah, I'd give the edge to Buffalo on the basis of that.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Sure, We'll
1: see you on the weekend.
0: Jacksonville at Tennessee. Garbage Bowl. Uh, I've taken Tennessee. Fitz has taken Jacksonville and Harry's taken Jacksonville. Uh, so this time I'll kick off with Harry. Harry, Jacksonville, Kane Farr.
1: still believe, I still believe Indianapolis and Houston will lose and Jacksonville can get back into the race. <laughs> <London>. <laughs> <laughs> we, saw, we saw this game happen relatively recently. Yeah. With essentially the same teams. And I just think that Jacksonville, for all of their problems, and there are many, just have the kind of explosive offense that Tennessee struggle to handle, whereas Tennessee's offense is, is just inconsistent. Now, Tennessee could well turn up and win this game, but you can't rely on that. And I think the, the potential for them to be at the lower end of their variance is more, like, that would put them below the Jags, if that makes sense. I know so exactly what, what you mean. Yeah, so what we're, like, what we're looking at there is I think that Jacksonville are going to be able to move the ball better than Tennessee in this game and it's probably going to make going to make the difference
0: fair enough i uh, i think two bad teams Tennessee at home mariota's been playing well they're fun enough to watch i too like jacksonville i would really like them to win but i don't think they're going to i think it's going to be an entertaining to watch game potentially if they start scoring on each other cuz i don't think either of these teams can stop each other but yeah it's just it's just that spot of i think tennessee probably a little bit more resilient given that they have that we're young we're upstart we'll still learning Whereas Jacksonville are like, well, presumably we're going to lose. Like that's what we always do. Uh, that's why I take it, and also the home team fits.
2: Yeah, like it's going to be pretty close. But I think Jacksonville will shade it. I think Jacksonville are just further along the process of developing. And this is kind of a very important game for Jacksonville. Like Tennessee are pretty much out at this point, more going for the first pick than the than the playoffs. While Jacksonville. This is Last Chance Saloon, so hopefully they should show up and actually do something uh, and use the talent that they have on offense to uh, overcome what is actually a pretty decent Tennessee defense.
0: What I what always say is just if you can't beat the San Diego Superchargers when you're at home, I have no
1: faith in you on the road. Well, that's fair. I think what could be the critical aspect of this game is whether or not Blake Bortles has been taught can't throw the ball past the line of scrimmage.
0: Oh yeah, Jesus. We, we forgot to mention that earlier. Did you yeah. see that, Ronan? Blake Bortles kept twice in the red zone, went, held onto the ball a bit too long, ran past the line of scrimmage and then passed to this. Oh his... yes. <laughs> I genuinely think he doesn't know it's a rule. He's just such an improviser,
2: you know, it's real, <laughs> he's
0: a real go-getter. Next game, Atlanta at Tampa Bay. This one was a hard one to pick for me. I went Atlanta, Fitz went Atlanta, Harry went uh, Tampa Bay. So as I kick off on Atlanta, they're awful, so are Tampa Bay. They have more talent on their roster. They won five games earlier in the season. They've now gone one and five since. But they won five games. They know how to win. I do. I do think they have a terrible defense. I think they have all the players needed to run an effective offense.
1: Here's hoping that clicks. Tampa Bay have also won five games this season, uh, albeit not in a row, <laughs> 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 including one against the Falcons, actually. And Tampa Bay did stink last week, like absolutely stunk up the place. So did the Falcons. Both teams played very, yeah. very poorly, which means this game is going to be a thrilling 35-33. to 33. But no, um, I'm not actually sure if Atlanta do have the more talented roster at this stage. And yes, you've got guys like Julio Jones. And pieces, there's pieces around there. There's but, the
0: body of Ro- Roddy White. If they yeah. can, like, if they can transplant
1: someone else's hands onto it, <laughs> yeah, they'd be flying like, the desiccated corpse of Roddy White. they yeah. actually, they got so desperate they started throwing to Roddy White again. Yeah, like,
0: hey, he had that one catch. He
1: did have that one catch, literally. <laughs> and- Ta- Low, uh, like I think Tampa Bay are actually just in a stronger position right now, particularly defensively, for all their problems. I know, I just it, it's difficult for me to see right now Atlanta matching up well against anyone because they are just such a a downbeat and b error prone team. And I think they've got into the mindset where they know they're in a tailspin, they know they're collapsing, they know it's slipping away from them, and that's just going to continue. Whereas Tampa Bay are a team that, again, like when we talked about Tennessee and Jacksonville, are young enough um, and angry enough to be like they can just turn up one week, and I think in a divisional game at home. With, actually with potential playoff implications, they're going to be even more motivated than the Atlanta team that seems to have just lost its way. You think the management tries to
0: incentivize them by saying, like, you better win this game or it might be a bit more of that MRSA outbreak? We'll bring
1: back Greg Sciano.
0: <laughs> 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 Fitz, why Atlanta?
2: Yeah, like, I think Atlanta gets Devonta Freeman and Leonard Hankinson back this week. And I think, like, last week was kind of a low point in terms of their efficacy because it literally was just Julio Jones like, by himself. Like, with a few complimentary pieces, like, Matt Ryan's a pretty good quarterback, perhaps a little bit overrated, but I think that should be enough against a Tampa Bay defense. Has at times looked good, but other times has looked absolutely terrible. So I think this will be a pretty high-scoring game, but in a shootout, I might just put Atlanta slightly ahead if those complimentary, complimentary pieces are there, especially Freeman.
0: Here's a side question. Is Matt Ryan the most personality-free quarterback in the
2: NFL? Is there. it hard to remember the ones who are really uninteresting? Yeah.
0: Like, like, the thing is, I remember I remember watching them on Hard Knocks last year. Like, you know the way he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated trying to flex and stuff? And, like, you know the people there, you guys you go, oh, he looks swole, he looks swole. I was like, he just struck me as a guy, just like, I look swell. <laughs> The final game that we disagree... Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm the one who disagrees on this one. (laughs) So I guess we have to discuss this. The Jets at the Giants. New York City Bowl,
1: yo! East Rutherford, New Jersey Bowl.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Badass. I've taken the Giants, Fitz has taken the Jets, and Harry's taken the Jets. I'm not going to lie, I was so close to changing this pick at the last minute, but I'll let you go, Harry.
1: Yeah, like the Jets have their problems. Obviously, they would have lost a few more players last week since we be dropping it like flies. However, they're still fine in most areas. The Giants are just bad right now, and we saw it again this week. Like offensively, they are the first thing that goes wrong, and the whole team just melts down. Like, are you, I just can't rely on picking that. You don't even really have home field advantage in this game, really. <laughs> the no, team. they both do. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it, cancels out. it cancels out. Genuinely, like I think we're seeing, you know, the Jets have, have come through some tough times. I think we're starting to see them adapt a little bit and come back up to where they could be. Because, as mentioned on the podcast several times, they do have um, a very talented staff um, who I think have sort of changed the culture there a bit. And there's some resiliency that wasn't there before. Uh, rather than just bravado, whereas the Giants just, again, there is a little bit of aimlessness now about it. When it came down to the crunch again, a chance to really give themselves a chance to really take the lead and take control of their division, Mm. they completely choked. Eli's play is woefully inconsistent week on week. The defence is still bad. Uh, Odell Beckham has, despite putting up nice stat lines a lot of the time towards the end of games, on the back of one or two big plays, has actually struggled to get open regularly against Mm. even relatively poor cornerbacks. Actually, so, Re- Revis should be back this week as well, shouldn't he? He's still in the protocol. They don't know, mm. but he's they, the, the latest quote on him was signs of improvement. So Revis Peninsula, yeah, Revis Peninsula. It's not <laughs> anymore, but, like it, it will still be a problem for them. So yeah, and I, of course, New York's the Giants' running game is an absolute shit show at the moment. Oh yeah. Really. So I, basically, it, it, for me, it's quite simple. and I don't know how New York. Mo- no, sorry, sorry <laughs> New York. That's not useful. I don't know how the. I don't know how the Giants really. Uh, move the ball on the Jets that well. Now, again, it is the Giants. They could come out. like, could throw for five touchdowns in the first mm-hmm. quarter, but I just don't see it happening in this one.
0: Yeah, well, like, I agree with you. Wildly inconsistent game to game, which is why at had a terrible game last week. This is going to be a great game. Jets, I prefer the Jets as a team to the Giants, but I also have massive problems with them, how they're playing. They're also wildly variant week to week as to how they play. Which Brandon Marshall shows up, which Eric Decker shows up, even internally in a game, the one who caught those nice passes laughing, or well, who dropped the sitter for the touchdown and then, like, you know, started cursing and swearing on the sidelines. I told you my theory earlier. The reason that the Giants lost the last game is because Tom Coughlin empathizes with racists because he's old. Tom Coughlin is also old and scared of new technology, so he doesn't believe in flight. (laughs) Therefore, he hates jets and is willing to beat them. That is why the Giants will win.
2: Well, with such well-reasoned points, I can only counter with the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick shaved his beard and is now an Adonis God who (laughs) shall rain terror upon the Giants and become the King of the Titans... Of the
0: (laughs) Jets. God, guys, when are we going to get that game where we can make the joke the New York Giants go and take on the Tennessee Titans, making them both seem normal sized?
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, seriously, like, the Jets looked better last week, so hopefully they will. Like, well, not hopefully, but, like, I think they'll probably continue that. While the Giants, there's Odell Beckham. That's about it. Nothing else is really happening. And they lost, uh, they've lost a lot of talent on the secondary as well. So I think that will...
0: I think talent is being, well, they're they're starters
2: in the secondary. Yeah, they're starters, yeah. They've
1: lost some bodies.
2: Yeah, they've lost some bodies who are quite important. And, yeah, that will just, like... Their pass rush has been pretty consistent this season. So without any talent on defense, I expect the Jets should have enough to take down. Because the Jets have looked pretty good when they've had a chance against relatively mediocre defenses and worse.
1: Did you see actually speaking of Ryan Fitzpatrick? I don't know if you caught this in the commentary in the Tampa Bay uh, game. Uh, the Tampa Bay tight end, second or third string guy, caught a, a touchdown pass. Oh, is this the and chap who did economics? Yeah, exactly. Not only did he, he, wasn't just Harvard like Ryan Fitzpatrick. They, they shouted out his major for some reason. <laughs> was just like, oh man, like Ryan Fitzpatrick had a thing going there and yeah. now he's just been usurped. Oh, that's
0: it. The poor fellow. I suppose, Fitz, given that you're here, right, we'll get your. Uh, Maximum five word responses to some of the questions that came up earlier, okay?
2: Maximum five words.
0: Maximum five words. Should the Patriots be worried? No. Are Miami a dumpster fire? Yes. What do you think of the London games? Shit. Which tight end are you most attracted to? Eifert. What do you make of Alden Smith's suspension? Twash. Success! I've just, I've, I've started to get a feeling we could probably cut down these podcasts.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see you only have one word about the Kansas City Chiefs. That'll be an achievement. <laughs> Bay,
0: cheers, <Jeez>, face. <laughs>
1: oh God! You see, the Chiefs
0: got a write-up in Rolling Stone this week.
2: Yeah, yeah, basically they're unbeatable now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Good God. Like sports journalism. So, <laughs> I think sports journalism is a journalism done on the side by those music journalists at Rolling Stone.
1: Like it probably still is worse than ESPN.
0: That's true, that's true. I suppose as a side note, we were discussing this in the weekend. Fitz, are you also sick to your fucking teeth at J.J. Watt? Yeah,
2: to a certain extent. I think he's, he, yeah, I haven't been paying as much attention to him, but I suppose now that Houston are actually becoming relevant again, we'll probably hear a lot more from him after since the since the Cincinnati game with the BB gun comment. We'll probably yeah. Yeah, I'm probably ready to get sick of him again, but like he had been pretty quiet over those
0: first five weeks or so i get, I get that he's very talented and everything but like <laughs> this thing, like they were down to like you know second and goal and then they like cut back to the sidelines and they cut back and i made a joke it's like oh jj watts probably getting in your man's ear saying put me in coach put me in i want a touchdown and then the commentator's like looks like jj watts in his ear telling him to put him in he wants to get a touchdown I'm like no. And then someone else scores a touchdown. And instead of like showing the touchdown in replay, they go back to JJ Watt to get his reaction to not being in there to score it himself.
1: He's a fantastic player. I don't think anyone would ever doubt that he's a fantastic player. But like for somebody who's as exposed as he is, or, or, like overexposed as he is, he's not that interesting or eloquent or like he's just held up because he's again, he's that, you know, good, you know, corn fed farm boy. It's a wholesome American. white defensive player is yeah, what he is. Much. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, speaking of, the funniest thing is because when they cut to the sideline, uh, they had a uh, what and, uh, one of the coordinators also Vince Wolfort was lurking around there and it was like, yeah, put big Vince in at tight oh, end. Yeah. They yeah, were saying Vince could have come in and beaten Poe's record the following week.
0: <laughs> What's he play at? Like 460 Jeez. now? <laughs> okay, I, think he's been, I think
1: he's actually been declared his own country <laughs> at this point.
0: Man. Yeah. So Fitz, actually, just an aside, we normally say any other crack at yourselves. Obviously, you're coming up here to Dublin next week. Uh, big fun for all the listeners. We're going to have Fitz live for the next one rather than over the Skype. So it'll be good. It means he can't be up to what he was up to today.
1: Um, uh, don't don't tempt, Faith.
0: Don't tempt <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it should, should be fun. Fitz, when are you coming up?
2: Uh, I'll be down uh, in Dublin on Saturday. So Excellent. I'll Bit of crack on Saturday as
0: well. Yeah, two yeah. pints, two pints.
2: Yeah, pints. Pints,
0: drink, wait for this all to blow over, you know? That's it, that's it. Straight down the Chesterfield. <laughs> oh, boy. But, but you yeah, know... The, Win- any- the Winchester. Winchester. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, I basically just went for another rifle. Um,
1: <laughs> but no, Chesterfielders uh, are cigarettes, not rifles.
0: No, there's, so. there's, there's rifles as well. I do know. Yes, are there
1: are. Right. Okay, yeah. well, there you go. I've learned something um, but yeah, so any other crack on yourselves? I don't know I've just got an education about guns. I'm good for the week, like. Yeah, pretty certain it's a Chesterfield.
0: Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a semi-automatic machine gun, but I'm not certain. Um, I'm you're making that. Well,
1: what? that sounds like a double barrel
2: gun to me, anyway. Really,
0: yeah, it could be. We'll see. We'll see. It's Springfield. Uh, maybe that's what's confused me. We'll find out anyway. What we'll do? Tweet us. <laughs> babe, tweet Tweet us if you know the answer, and don't tweet us if you just Connor. Shut the fuck up! You're a moron. Please and tweet us that. But yeah, no. Um. So, like we say, guys, hit us up on Twitter at at AFQ Podcast. Find us on Facebook, and uh, we know we've said it for a week or two, but this week we're actually gonna finally be on iTunes! Hooray! So, uh, yeah, find us there as well. Uh, drop us any messages or comments you have. Uh, drop us a line if you're coming down to the gig on the weekend, or if you're knocking around Dublin. Bit of fun, maybe. We'll see. Depends. Uh. Basically, yeah, whether you look like a cunt. We'll chat to you <laughs> next week. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye.